Hey everyone, David here. I want to tell you about my music podcast, On Rotation. It's engaging, interactive, and insightful. Music mm-hmm. entwines with everything. It's something that always rings true to me. So when I need something to kind of root me, I can always go back to music in a sense, you know? Yeah. Join me each episode as we rotate through a number of topics and hear why it's the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Listen to On Rotation wherever you get your podcasts. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My goal writing music was always, I want someone else who feels like me to hear someone else say that they feel like me so I don't feel so alone. I want to be able to deliver a sound that's honest but has a story to tell. I've never ever felt remorse for spending lots of money on making music because that's going to be forever. If I'm not happy playing to the people that love what we do now, it's not going to make a difference if there's 10,000 people listening to what we're doing versus 100. Music's great. (laughs) Everyone loves music. Hey everybody, what's up? What's happening? You're listening to On Rotation, the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is David. I'll be your host and lovely guide. Adam Taylor is all about teamwork. As the head person behind the artistic collective known as Beach Colors, Adam has worked with multiple artists and musicians to foster a highly collaborative environment. Adam and I talked about everything from his origins as a songwriter to the upcoming release from Beach Colors. Adam with Beach Colors, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thanks, man. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. (laughs) Thank you again so much for coming on and talking about your music. From first looking you up and looking up the group, I understand that you had been writing songs for a long time kind of on your own. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of introduced yourself or introduced your songs to other people that are part of Beach Colors. So first off, I want to know how long have you been writing songs on your own? So I'm 23 now. So I've probably been doing it since I was like 13. It's kind of funny to, to think about actually, but I didn't. I don't think I started writing songs that I liked until I was like 19 or 20. <laughs> so gotcha. I feel like there's a few years of, of any songwriter's life where you're writing things that you think like are you, I guess, or, you know, are what you want to sound like. And it's frustrating because you'll, you'll be writing something and then you can listen to it five minutes later and it won't be anything of what you thought it was in the moment you're writing it that's a pretty tricky thing to develop so i I, yeah i started at 13 i I really didn't start getting like my style down until i was like you know 19 20 or not even down it's still like very much in like still developing yeah yeah of course and it will be for the rest of my life but um now i can listen to a song that i wrote and be like oh okay i like this you know this isn't terrible so yeah however many years that is 13 to 20 yeah 10 years yeah, a whole decade. Yeah. Got a whole yeah. decade under your belt already. Oh my that's God, crazy. That's, yeah, that's horrifying. <laughs> I haven't even thought about it like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just putting it into perspective for you, man. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. Appreciate and it. And have <laughs> you um have you been a musician at the same time you've been a writer, or was that something that kind of followed suit? So definitely I started doing music and stuff around the same time that I started like writing. It was kind of quick, but guitar and singing and stuff like that definitely came first. And mm-hmm. 
I was always like in awe of any musician that I watched like on screen or YouTube or like I had like all these like, you know, Dave Matthews live at, you know, Radio City DVDs and like watching all of that and watching that kind of like aura around the person, I think kind of set this mission in my mind, like Mm -hmm. from the get go where I was like, okay, I want to be, I want to get there, you know, and songwriting is definitely on that path. So like, how, you know, how do we get to that point? So I, the songwriting aspects of it, like writing and stuff in general, it definitely followed suit after the music and just and deciding that that's what I want to be doing consistently for the rest of my life. And then from there, like I started writing more like poetry stuff and getting into like short story writing. And so it definitely started with the idea of being a musician and being kind of what I had set my my mind on when I was super young, watching all those DVDs and stuff like that. Do you find yourself hovering or coming up with a specific genre, I guess you could say, or like wheelhouse of lyrical content? Because you also mentioned poetry, like that can kind of be about anything. I had this really big paradigm shift of my writing style when I first started listening to Father John Misty, mm-hmm. who's like my favorite lyricist and you know top three musicians. But I was listening to this interview with him, I think it was on like QTV or something, and he was talking about when it changed for him. And mm-hmm. he used to be a you know a solo artist, and he would go by the name of Jay Tillman. Mm-hmm. His real name is Josh Tillman. And... He was talking about how he used to write in this style that was like very romanticizing, like tons of verbiage and just like kind of over the, like Mumford and Sons style, you know, where it wasn't anything that he was saying, you know, wasn't anything that anyone would say now, you know, it was all Mm -hmm. things of like being very, you know, romantic. And um, he said that he had this revelation where he just started writing like he talked that involved using humor and being sarcastic. And once I heard that, I was like, uh, like, that's why I, I realized that that's why I loved his lyrics so much. After that, I started writing like that. Well, not like him. I mean, obviously, but similar. I, yeah. I, yeah. I started writing with that idea of like, would I say this and using words that are used in everyday language. He also talked about one of his friends who realized that every time he was writing a song, the word mountains would always come out of his mouth you know mm-hmm. like like a, like, a, like just a kind of uh go-to phrase mm-hmm. or a word and uh he was thinking to himself like how many things in my life have happened you know on, on top of a mountain like how many how much time have i spent on a mountain and the answer is for most people probably none you know <laughs> yeah and or, or probably you know very no, small not, amount yeah yeah exactly yeah not enough to write almost every song about it right right so, so then once i started once i listened to that i was like okay yeah like start writing things like i talk and that's when I started listening to my own music and being like, this sounds like me. This sounds like, you know, I don't feel disconnected from this person. I feel like mm-hmm. this is who I am and it's coming across lyrically. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's so hard for, I think, a lot of people to get to, get, mm-hmm. to get to a song that you're like, okay, cool. This doesn't make me cringe. So yeah, then I adopted, I adopted that kind of like mentality and that style like into, you know, poetry. And I'm a big like Bukowski fan too. So I, I love his writing style too, where it's, it's very real. It's very straightforward. Mm -hmm. It's it's like someone's talking to you across the table, but they're just talking in a very interesting way. Yeah. That's basically when that whole, that whole shift happened when Mm -hmm. I started becoming more comfortable with everything. Yeah. And what I'm curious to know what inclined you to bring, at least these were labeled as unfinished works in your bio to other members that you kind of started this group with. I believe their names are Dean and Justin. Yeah. So we had played an open mic and my friend Dean, who I'm still good friends with today, 
had come to the open mic because he was friends with Justin before he and I were friends. And uh, after the show, he was like, hey, man, like, I think that, like, it'd be cool if you and I did something. And this is when we were in, like, the jam band phase, you know? Like, we weren't really. Like, early um, on, yeah. Yeah, we weren't, like, writing yet. We weren't planning for studio time or anything. And he was like, it'd be cool, you know, if, like, if we worked on something together. And I was like, cool, yeah, yeah, that sounds good, man. So then I, <laughs> I had this, like, one day where... And this sounds like something I like. I would make up to make it sound more romantic, but this is actually what <laughs> it's happened. It's true. It's true. Uh, this is this is exactly what happened. I the first so- song I've ever written that like where lyrics really came first was uh, "That's the Spirit." I was like in my kitchen making food, like probably mac and cheese or something, and uh, I had like thought of this line, you know, um, like I saw that smile through your phone or through another one's phone. So I went and sat down and like just kind of like on my couch and just like banged out like three chords and like the first verse or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I uh, that afternoon, I texted Dean. It was like probably a week after I had, we had talked originally, and I texted him, and I was like, "Hey, man, like I'm thinking about doing this like solo project and calling it Beach Colors. Would you want to work together on that?" And uh, he's like, "Yeah, man, like sure." Like yeah. I was like, "All right, man, like how does like tomorrow work?" And he was <laughs> like, "Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Like come on by." Yeah, just jump in the gun. Yeah, exactly. I was like, "Whatever, like let's do it." So I went into that, into that. I went to Dean's house. He had this like has like his little home studio and me him and justin just kind of like sat down and started working out like the workings of uh that's the spirit and then i think i went there every weekend for probably about a month or so yeah we wrote the whole thing start to finish and like that's been the most popular song to date so yeah i don't back to your question i don't really know what it was that was like okay like it's time I just saw dean as this really talented individual who knew his way around a mixing board and or like, you know, around Logic Pro and someone who could really help me out and, you know, take any of my music to the next level. Because I was like kind of recording at the time, but like everything, you know, kind of sucked. So I was like, let's go to Dean who went to Berkeley, you know. And he and I really hit it off too. Like we became really good friends and we still are. And uh, I've always been super, super grateful for that Mm -hmm. time from him and Justin because both of them really spent their time just like working on this. And Justin and I like weren't like good friends really at that point. Like we were friends, but not like close. Mm -hmm. Right. And they both just like invested like a ton of time into like <laughs> making music for me. Like they were just right, like right, right. so cool with it. Like, and I think we were, we were just all on the same page and we knew what we were making. And yeah. when you have that, I think that anyone's willing to invest a ton of time into it. Yeah. Especially for the love of it too. You know, like these are obviously people that want to help out because they love making music. It seems totally. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't really understand that aspect of the culture at the beginning. I was like, listen, like, I don't, can't like pay you for any of this like i hope you don't think that that's happening because like you know because dean is like a like a pro like at like producing and recording and mixing and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. he was like oh dude no don't worry about it you know we'll we'll figure it out later just let's just make the song because this is sweet and i was like Mm -hmm. all right and are dean and justin still a part of this group because what i also noticed is that i think you've had changes in your group's lineup like you've kind of worked with a couple different people here and there is that correct yeah, yeah. Um, Dean was always like playing the producer aspect of it. Like he still works with a different group called Street Cult. So he was always in the producing role, whereas Justin has been the bassist, like doing live stuff and everything. So yeah, we've had like when we were in the, doing the, like the jam band stuff, we had a guitarist who was like super, super talented, but just I feel like the classic like creative difference type of thing. So, I, mm-hmm. you know, we just kind of started going down the different paths as far as what we wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, like, I'm not, you know, I can't really make music that I'm not super into. That's just, yeah, and I don't expect them to either. You know, I've, I've, that's kind of how I've always been in regards to the band. I've been like, you know, if you want to be here, stay. If you don't, then go into your own thing. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. talented enough and everyone has enough, enough ability Yeah, where we don't have to like stick together. 
if you don't want to be in the group and you want to do your own thing, then, then I'm all for it, you know, and, and I wish you the best and I'll help you in any way that I can. And then luckily a few of them came with me and helped me out. And uh, we just kind of kept developing members as we went, just kept picking them up as, as we went along. So <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, That's yeah. awesome. It's been a good origin origin of uh, the band. I've mm-hmm. been very happy with it. And now we have like the dream team. I'm very happy with everybody in the group. Yeah, I was just going to ask. So who are your current members, would you say? So it is kind of a, a weird thing because it is like mostly me. It is only me doing all of the music production. Okay. Yeah. So like this uh, new song, which we'll probably talk about later on, that's a result of me learning how to mix for the past 10 months, you know, and gotcha. trying to figure out how to make this stuff sound good, as was 18 as well, one of our singles last fall. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at like making the mixing and writing part a group thing. It's just, I can't. And it, it, it unless it's someone's on the same exact page as me, you know, like I think okay. that with Dean, it was different, Dean and Justin, because like if one of us didn't like something, we have this type of relationship where we could be like really mean about it and it would yeah. be fine, you know? <laughs> Up front, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, no one's like feelings would be hurt. And it's not that it's different now with these people. It's not that like they're more sensitive or whatever. I just realized that like the entire creative process is a lot more satisfying and fulfilling to me mm-hmm. when it really is like all my own. Yeah. That can sound selfish or whatever. But at the end of the day, I really love the idea of like looking at this thing and being like, I really did this like completely by myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. at the same time, it's like, I like this method now. So like basically the, the production method now is like, I'll write something, I'll get it recorded, I'll get a little demo recorded, then I'll send it to the band members, you know, and I'll send it to a bunch of people, you know, mm-hmm. because they're all my close friends too. So like, I want their input no matter what, even if they weren't musicians. And then they'll be like, you know, this isn't your best stuff. This is great. You know, it's always mm-hmm. varied and it's always very truthful. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we've how we've functioned as a group. There has to be this like understanding that's really hard to grasp because if anyone was like egotistical in the group, mm-hmm. I don't think it would work. I think that, you know, it, we'd kind of try to like override each other or whatever. But luckily, like I have the best bandmates. So they're all like super chill with me just doing my own thing and just being yeah. like, yay or nay on the songs, you know? And I, I always, and you know, again, they're all super talented. So I really yeah. value their opinions. But back to your question. Now that the group is... um we have Jamie, who is my drummer's Owen's girlfriend, and she's our pianist. And we met her because we uh, went to play at the Emerson radio show. And uh, Jamie is from our hometown. And like that whole thing happened is because she like heard that we had played music and reached out to us on Instagram. And I was like, hey, come on through for a session. And I was like, okay, cool. So we went through and uh, played a whole set. It was great. Got along with Jamie really well. And mm-hmm. that weekend after, Owen and I went up to Vermont to a like kind of this like winter house for our friend's birthday. And uh, we were just kind of hanging out. And I was like, or one of my friends was like, yeah, like Jamie plays piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, she does? <laughs> like, yeah, she's really good. And I was like, oh, okay. So that moment, I, I, <laughs> I messaged her like, we had barely ever like ever talked. We probably like that, the only conversations that we really ever had were in person at that mixing session. I, okay. t- I messaged her on Instagram and I was like, "Hey, like, do you play piano?" <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Do you want to be in our band?" And she was like, "Sure." And <laughs> awesome. I was like, "Okay, cool." And like, I always think about th- this too because she just like really jumped into it. Mm-hmm. She's a very like quiet, you know, person. Like, she's very to herself and everything. And she just like showed up to band practice every day from that point on. Like completely on time gave it her all and like we were playing like 
25 songs, 30 song shows, you know, like, wow. And, I, and right off the bat, we were just like, Hey, like, if you want to, uh, you know, play with us, go f- like, you're, you're more than welcome to. And she was like, okay. And then like, just like completely filled this role, like no questions asked. And I always yeah. thought about that. I'm like, if I were her, I would have like been a little bit more like, I don't know, cautious or whatever about it, but right. She's also a little hard to read. So I think it was just funny because she just like shows up and just like crushes it immediately. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all these songs. And then from that point on, that's that's where Owen and Jamie met. And then my buddy Steven, who's a guitarist in our group, he's like this like musical freak. Like he's like so he's such a musical person. He went he's from Lowell and he like had been a like in friend groups in Chelmsford and stuff and like in my mm-hmm. similar friend groups and like he and I followed each other on Instagram, but like, you know, never really became friends. And mm-hmm. it was kind of the same thing. One day I just like messaged him and I was like, Hey, like if you want to be in our band, like come through to Owen's basement and let's like, <laughs> let's play a bunch of songs and see what, see what happens. And he showed up and just like, he's so like disgustingly good at like a guitar. <laughs> he's like a, just like a freak. And yeah. And he just like, he showed up and like he's just a super energetic, positive person, and just like it just immediately made the whole group better. And it's almost mm-hmm. kind of funny because there's like this like yin and yang situation with him and Jamie, like when they both like shut up immediately because like Jamie's more reserved and like yeah. you know kind of in her own zone and just like you know kind of just nailing all the parts, but like yeah. very much in her own zone. And Steven's like uber energetic and like all over it and just like yeah both of them are just crushing their parts but adding the perfect amount of chemistry into the group so yeah so that's basically what the group is now that's what it's yeah. that's what it's formed into over time wow that's like it kind of sounds like you're covering all the bases with that energy and dynamic i love that oh yeah no and it's you know we all have a ton of fun together so it's been it's it's been a blast being with, yeah. being with those guys i love yeah, it. yeah that's dope well now i want to talk about your music finally like actually get into the music because you've put out yeah. a couple singles throughout the years that's the spirit was one that you mentioned earlier and that was your first one what was like the process behind that like you know were you able to kind of put that song out and say oh wow like i want to do this like i want to do this more because you had from what i understand you had a lot of success from it so like were you kind of keeping that momentum going to make more music yeah i, I didn't know how much of it was like just my mom listening on repeat for hours or like what yes, but i was mom. yeah i was like i'm just being confused for like a few months and not really knowing what a successful song on the ascension really looked like mm-hmm. and that was it and i didn't realize it like at first you know i just didn't know where all these people were coming from you know like mm-hmm. it, it, like spotify gives you these analytics of just like telling you like every single person that listens to all your music and people all over the world were like i was getting like dms on instagram for people in like thailand and stuff and i was like what is going on coming from this area of not ever really writing and this being like the first song I finished. And then like, it just started taking off with like, you know, 800,000 people, you know, listening a month. I was just like confused. I was like, this is like, this is really cool. But I don't know, like how many of these people are just people that I know or like, it was the first time I ever felt like people liked my music, just because they liked the music, you know, because I think that that's something that if you go to an open mic as a kid, or whenever you're 18, 19, people are always going to come up to you and be like, that was really good. That was really, that was a, <laughs> right. that was a, that was a great, yeah, that was the a pat great on the session. back. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't really start believing people. I mean, like ever, 
I, it's definitely gotten better for me over time of like, you know, believing that, you know, we're actually good and stuff. Cause I think, cause I can like look at my bandmates and be like, wow, yeah. they're so good, you know? And it's yeah. kind of reflection of the group, but yeah, it was the first time where I was like, okay, my talent, like I have talent, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I can actually do this and yeah. people who I don't know become fans, you know, people who mm-hmm. I don't know in California, in Mexico and like wherever listen to this music on playlists and stuff and put it on playlists because they like the song, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't know Adam Taylor. They don't know. They're not supporting my group. Yeah. They're not supporting a, a local artist. They're just listening to the music because they love right. it. That was like a huge turning point in my mind. But again, th- that's the thing too, is like, it never became like, oh, I'm going to start making music for people or for like to be recognized yeah, or like for people to listen to on repeat or for them to put on their playlist or whatever. Like I still just kind of kept writing music for me and not to sound too cliche, but I uh, just liked writing things that I that I found mm-hmm. to be good, and I still do, because you kind of realize at a certain point. I mean, if you ever try to, like try to write a song that's for commercial success or whatever, you realize that like the only thing you really know how to do is be you know yourself and and write songs that you like. Like that's mm-hmm. the only calculator or gauge that you that's actually true. Like yeah. in the same way that you have a car, like. Like if the gas gauge is the only honest gauge on your entire dashboard and you can mm-hmm. see, you know, RPM, speed, whatever, but those just are su- all super inaccurate. There's no backboard to like your creation if you're trying to create for this like faceless group of people. So the only thing that you can do really is make a song that you think is good, mm-hmm. that you like hearing and put it out. That's the best way to set yourself up because then all you have to keep doing is that. All you have to keep doing is just going by your own tastes and what you like doing. That's a challenging thing today, especially like for a lot of artists. There's so much pressure to make a you know commercially successful songs and do whatever the top 40 is. And it's just not worth it. It's not worth sacrificing your your identity and the reason you started writing in the first place. Like people like watching you connect with yourself. That's mm-hmm. that's what entertaining artists looks like. You know, people mm-hmm. it's interesting to watch someone do something they're interested in. And it's very easy to go off the rails from that, I think. Yeah. And then another single that we kind of touched upon earlier was 18. That one you put out last year in 2020. And with this one specifically, I saw that you and Owen had moved to Martha's Vineyard and you ended up meeting a producer named Cooper who kind of helped you with that track. So how was that whole process? Like, I'm guessing the reason you moved to Martha's Vineyard was not to meet him. (laughs) Oh, no, not at all. So Owen and I last year, like mid pandemic, we had like all these shows lined up for the summer Mm -hmm. and... We had worked together. Owen and I became like best friends. We realized we spent like 90% of our time with each other. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to take this job on Martha's Vineyard working for, you know, land conservation company. They supply housing. Do you want to come with me? And he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, sure. So he applies and got the job. And then we both kind of took off and, and went there. And the following year, which was like in April of last year, one of our friends was going back to the island. And I, I called Owen and we were just like chatting. And I was just like, yeah, like, I guess, you know, Bryn is going back to the island. He, it was just kind of a silence. And he was just like, maybe, maybe we should do that. And we had like, oh, I know. we had a lot of shows lined up. We had like, we were gonna, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of little things that we had going up. And I was like, but the band, man, you know? And, uh, and he was like, yeah, I don't know. This whole COVID thing's really not looking good. I don't think that uh, mm. the summer's going to look how we think it's going to look. Yeah. Because at that point, everyone was like, okay, here comes the summer, baby. Like, this is when COVID yeah, dies out. Yeah, it's going to blow over. Yeah, and that's Exactly. Happen. And I was like, you know, maybe you're right. And a whole summer on the island is, I mean, it's the best place on earth, in my opinion. So I was like, you know, you can't really argue with that. 
so both of us had kind of applied and, and then got the jobs again it went back down and um our friend Bryn's brother came down cooper mm-hmm. and i knew that cooper had played music and you know was a good guitarist and everything like that mm-hmm. but he's like so musical in like a different way than anyone i know like he's very like rhythmically talented and like i don't know he's he's a he's a really great musician i just love playing with him mm-hmm. so yeah i think that like this song back to the whole you know romanticizing a situation this song like kind of has the best narrative to it where we had this house and we like kind of set up all of our equipment in the living room cooper mm-hmm. and i and just started kind of jamming there often and but midway through the summer, he had come up with this very simple chord riff that is the foundation of 18. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, from there, like I got, you know, came up with the drums and then he got this like weird tool. I think it's like a, it's called like a sound box or something. I forget, but it's mm-hmm. like this little like electromagnetic box that you put on like the pickup and mm-hmm. you bring your fingers up and down the, the fretboard. And like, that's the sound at the beginning of 18, where it's like this weird, like synth sounding lead. Interesting. Part. And he was just messing around with that and uh, like recorded it perfectly in like two takes, I think. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of slapped that at the intro. And then I like kind of just on one of our off days, I think I think I just like banged out all the lyrics and like, that's usually how, how I, I write is I get all the lyrics out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like it just started kind of forming into this like song where we're like, this is like good. Like we, this is a guy, I like this. Mm-hmm. And then I spent, I had no idea what I was doing mixing wise at that point, like yeah. at all. It's a really complicated process. I mean, there's a lot of people who make it look very easy, but I was struggling with it. <laughs> so with that song, I spent like three or four weeks just mixing it, you know, because if you don't, if you don't know what you're doing, a mix can take you that long and because yeah. you just get lost in it, you know, For you have sure, no yeah. idea where you're going, where your head's even at at that point, you just kind of- Yeah, and what you want it to sound like too. Exactly, you just lose direction and you don't have a plan and it's a headache, it could be a headache. So it took me just so long to do that. And yeah, so then it kind of formed its, itself at the end of the summer, like late August. I think we released it like September 14th-ish or something. Yeah, and then and then I, I mean, I'm, I'm still- super happy with it i have this thing where like i don't if i release a song i don't listen to it for like six months once it's on spotify because i'll i'll listen to it and i'll hear something and i will like you'll want to fix it or change it. yeah exactly i'll always find something so i Mm. I just put it up there and i'm just like hope people like it you know (laughs) probably Um, for the best at that point oh totally it'll drive me nuts otherwise that one was the kind of the first taste i had of like releasing a song that was fully mine um or mm. almost fully mine if, if like if cooper hadn't come up with those like those great yeah, yeah intro yeah. riffs and stuff but it felt more like mine you know and i think that that was a really great feeling to have and mm-hmm. yeah it just felt like more of an accomplished piece of work i guess i was um a little nervous or anxious about needing someone in order mm-hmm. to create uh, yeah. in the way i wanted to and for a while i like definitely needed dean you know i definitely needed to have a mixer you know to have someone that can do all that stuff because i couldn't yeah so that was kind of my experiment with getting a song together in its entirety by myself mixing the whole thing alone and you know writing most of it alone and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah and that's kind of that's kind of what i'm doing now and that's, that was kind of like the precedent for what's to come in the future and stuff. Yeah, well, on that topic too, like this year alone, you've already put out two singles. You put out Old Plans and Robbers, which is actually a cover by the 1975 song. Mm-hmm. So what's coming up next with this release we kind of teased earlier? So I spent this past year getting to a comfortable place mixing-wise. I think I just okay. got really obsessed with it. And I watched like a thousand hours worth of YouTube 
There you and go. And I like signed up for like Mix with the Masters, which is like this great <laughs> uh, website for mixing music and just got really absorbed in it. There's been times where I spent like two hours not blinking and staring at my <laughs> computer screen and just like frying my ears and all for the love um, of mixing people. Exactly. Seriously. Yeah. And it's this thing. It's like you love it, but it's like it can be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, which I, which is, the, you know, a total aspect that I love about it. It's totally, I love doing things that are utterly consuming. Like, I think that anything that takes like 90% of my brain power to do, like sign me up. I'm so mm. for it, especially in a year like this, you have to have some off switch, you know? And yeah. Yeah. I think that mixing definitely does that for me. Now my like level of production is increasing, you know? So right. like I can actually release more songs than, than I have in this, this year. And my plan now is, you know, I have this new single come out and then I might go up to the, it's kind of something that I struggle with mentally too, is like, I don't know like how valuable albums are at this point or EPs or like what people really want. I have a hard time getting through full mm -hmm. albums. Right. Um, unless I really, really identify with the right. album itself and the, and the artists themselves. So I always kind of wonder like if I were to release, like would I rather release 12 singles in this upcoming year or one album, mm. you know? So yeah. I think it's easier to market yourself as a person with an album out. I think it's easier to develop That's fair. this. fair, yeah. Yeah, this aesthetic and this narrative around who you are as an artist, and it's it's a chance for people to know who you are more. And I think that I'm like trying to figure out better ways to do that because I think mm -hmm. that that's like a really important thing for artists now, or just always since the dawn of time. Like, if people know you better, then you have a better chance of you know just gaining listeners because people just want to have somebody to identify with or relate to. For sure, yeah, hundred percent. And I think that that's how I am with any of the artists that I listen to is like, it's really hard for me to get into an artist if I don't identify with them in a certain yeah. way. Like the 975 is like one of my favorite bands, like mm -hmm. top three easily. And I know every single thing about them. Like I know everything about these people. And mm -hmm. because of that, when they release an album, I'm like, yes, yes. Yeah. Like every song, you know, I, yep. I just get it more. Yeah. Same thing with Father John Misty. Like I, I know a bunch about him, you know? And I think that that's like, a big thing. So I think that an album or an EP mm -hmm. gives people the opportunity to learn more about me and who I am yeah. and, and the group themselves. And like, and it's a big thing, you know, it, to have an entire album that's like your piece of art is a really important big thing. It's a super intimidating mountain to climb when you're doing it all alone, mm -hmm. like writing everything alone and producing it all and mixing yeah. it all. It's just like 12 singles looks a lot more appealing than a full album. So yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure what the, I have a bunch of, I have like, a ton of songs at this point, like mm -hmm. bottlenecked in my production line of, of music, but I'm not really gotcha. sure um, how I want to group them yet. I guess I'll, uh, I'll figure it out as I go, but I, mm -hmm. I do want to just up my output. Really. That's yeah. my big thing. That's, and I, that's the investment that I made over the past, you know, mm -hmm. 10, 11 months was like, let's get to a point where you can put a song out a month and, you know, have it not take up 80 hours of your yeah. time that <laughs> month, you know, I, let's get to a point where it's possible. So, yeah. And that's kind of what I'm going into this summer. Yeah, for sure. And do you have a date for this upcoming release set? Yeah, so this upcoming release is coming out on June 21st. Gotcha. So pretty at, soon. Yeah, at noon. We also, we've put a lot of effort, me and my um, best friend, Allie, who's really good at graphic design and photography and everything, has been helping me with, me with the entire like Instagram aesthetic. And yeah. the Instagram looks pretty great, <laughs> thanks to her. But we've been talking pretty extensively about and working on over this past year, our website. And we kind of have this whole merch line, which we thought would just 
be a, a cool side project, but it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's turned into something that we, we actually both really care about where we've been looking for new artists, graphic designers. Yeah, in, like, I was going to ask area. you about that too. Yeah, so okay, yeah, cool. please, yeah, please explain that a little bit more. It's really cool. Yeah, sorry, I steal your question. I jumped no, in a little good. bit there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that there's a there's a, like an insane amount of talented people who mm. don't capitalize enough like on how talented they are. And I think a lot of it is like it's a lot. A lot of it's like they don't know where to start. And I, yeah, I kind of wanted to just I wanted to give people this platform and this interface to sell their merch or whatever, you know, and. and I didn't want it to turn into this, these things that artists do where they're like, I have this idea for a website where you do this and, and like, and, <laughs> and it just doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And although I did say at the beginning of this, that it would be an every month release of t-shirt lines and that was far too difficult. So okay. we, we, can, we've, we can ignore that. <laughs> yeah. So, so we, we've done, we've done two artists at this point, which I'm, okay. I'm very happy with because both of the lines I love, like they're awesome and they've done really well too. So we've, we've sold a bunch of, a bunch of merch, but that's awesome. Um, but yeah, so we wanted to be able to have this platform where we could, you know, we could reach out to an artist and be like, Hey, we like your mm-hmm. designs, send us five designs this week or whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll put them up on the website. We'll split the profits with you and we'll take care of all the marketing or whatever. Cause it's, it's also a really great way to leverage each other's platforms. Right. So yeah, like, definitely. So, you know, if they have, they don't have a lot of followers and we have, you know, whatever we have now, 800 something, whatever, right. You know, that gives them exposure on our platform. Sure. And then also the small following that they might have, will look at us and, you know, follow us, you know, it's, yep. it's, it's a, it's a great, exactly. It's a great trade. So we reached out to my, uh, my friend, Matt originally, and uh, he's like my favorite photographer of all time mm-hmm. at Francisco. And I was like, yeah, like, like, let's do, uh, I want to do like a merch line with you. Like this would be like, we just did t-shirts or whatever. And mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, sounds good. So that worked out great because, you know, he started advertising the shirts on his platform. We sold, we advertised them on, on ours and then we built the website and everything. And it's a great trade-off. It's very easy for the artist to do and for, you know, exposure. And on top of that, you like develop a good relationship with each other. You know, you, bet, have to, yeah. you have to work together and you, and you learn a lot about the person and yeah, I've loved it. So, and then our second um, artist was Lauren Rodriguez, who mm-hmm. did like all these really cool, like, all these really cool designs based around like body image. So then mm-hmm. for that particular line, we donated 10% to the National Eating Disorders Association. Mm-hmm. Eating Disorders Association. That's awesome. And that's like, you know, a whole nother thing. It gives us an opportunity to kind of, yeah. to, to be charitable and, you know, to, yeah. to give, to and raise know. awareness. Exactly. And, and she, like, I mean, she sent me those designs kind of off the cuff when I mentioned body image or whatever. And I was like, these are all, she sent them all actually, all the, like all five of them. She sent them as one design like Mm -hmm. for one shirt Mm -hmm. and i was like this is sick but let's just like make these all different (laughs) like separately yeah yeah she was like oh okay and they all turn out to be perfect like super simple really cool designs and i yeah i've i've loved them so yeah on top of that we're trying to kind of time the next line that we have with this guy named connor maloney he does like really cool like funky simple line drawings and we have like i think four or five of those Mm -hmm. so we were trying to figure out how to time that well, you know, with the release, like should do it like right after or, mm-hmm. you know, within the same week or whatever. So it's kind of a, a lot of hustle and bustle when the release time comes around. So we're just, we're just trying to kind of figure that out right now and like how that, that whole week's going to be looking. 
Yeah. Well, awesome. Awesome, man. Adam, I really appreciate you coming on Adam Taylor with Beach Colors. You know, this yeah, has been course, great. Man. As we wrap this up, why don't you just let my listeners know where they could find you, look up your music and also check out that merch. Yeah, I, I, the website took me forever to make. So I'd appreciate <laughs> anyone going on there. The, the website is beachcolors.store. And then the Instagram is Beach Colors Music at Beach Colors Music. And then you can find us on Spotify and iTunes mm-hmm. and every streaming platform as beach colors and then the release will be out on a it's called karaoke baby nice. and it'll be out on june 21st well looking forward to it man i can't wait to hear it pop psychologist as some people refer to her as marina just put out her fifth studio album it's called Ancient Dreams in a Modern Land. This follows her last album, Love and Fear, which came out in 2019. And Marina actually reportedly began writing for this project back in January 2020. I don't know if you knew that, Haley, but she put out a song called About Love, which was for the sequel to All the Boys I Loved. Like, P.S. I Still Love You. I don't know if you're... Because I love that series. I was going to say, I had a feeling you watched that stuff. (laughs) And I I actually really like that song. Yeah, so she's been she's had this kind of on her radar for a while. And Haley, something that you may or may not have been telling me <laughs> before we started recording is that you have been following Marina for a while. Yeah, I listened to her a lot when I was in middle school, so like 13, 14. And I've definitely been like following her career. I really liked um, Electra Heart and the Fruit album. I kind of fell out a little bit afterwards. So it was really mm-hmm. nice coming back to listen to her again and get back into all those sounds yeah and something that really stood out to me too about this album and i followed marina too about the same time that you got into her like i love the electra heart album i think the album's so good and so unique and a lot of people have said that this album that she just put out is like a return to her older sounds like you said and like i specifically heard like the fruit album too how you mentioned because that one's like very poppy and that's when she really started to experiment with like more mainstream pop sounds and in fact, this album, the people have described it as an electro pop and dance record. Like, would you say the same thing? I definitely think the first half is really has that electro pop sound. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting because in the first half, you definitely hear that. But then when you get through to the later half of the album, you mm-hmm. don't hear it as much. It has more of a, a softer sound. So I thought that that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And those first couple songs, too, that make up the first half of the album, it's only 10 tracks, so it's not super, super long. But out of those first, we'll say those first five tracks, Ancient Dreams in a Modern Land, Venus Flytrap, Man's World, and Purge of the Poison were all singles that she released prior to the official album. And then I would say, I'd say probably what, like three out of those four have like that heavy, like dance pop, electro pop sound. Yeah, I agree. I think even just the name and the title track, Ancient Dreams on Modern Land, was really interesting to think about because just hearing the lyrics in that song and I watched the video, she's kind of talking about how she wants to like go back to a time before we had all these complicated problems. And that's kind of where this term that I mentioned earlier, pop psychologist, comes in because a lot of the material that she touches upon is very sociopolitical. Yes. Yeah. She is such an interesting lyricist because she does focus on politics a lot and I feel like in the those five songs specifically even though they do have that pop sound like they are so political and talk about social social things and in such 
interesting ways while keeping that pop sound. So I thought that was really interesting that she can combine those two things that seem so like separate, but have them have like such a, to integrate them. Yeah. Yeah. And one reviewer too that I really, really liked the way she described it is that Marina's music always has like these hidden messages. And on this album specifically, she said, or this person said that the lyrics slap you in the face while you dance along. I just thought that was like brilliant. Like, I just thought that was the perfect way to describe this. I know. Yeah. Like, in, I remember in like past albums, it was a little bit more, not necessarily because they did kind of, they were very loud lyrics, I feel like in past albums, but yeah. for some reason they just seem louder. Maybe just because our issues that we've been facing, like they're focusing on American mm. issues. Um, and maybe just because our American issues are so in our face now because yeah. of the pandemic that we've kind of just had to face them head on. And so maybe just because they just seem so much more relevant now, it seems like her music is louder, even though she's had those messages all along. Yeah, it's funny too, like talking about how these are American problems. Marina's not even American. <laughs> I like, know, she, yeah. <laughs> like she's she's born in Wales, so she's Welsh. But then she, I think, uh, well, I don't know because I didn't look it up, but she says in one of the songs that she's like, I live in L.A. with my friends now. Yeah, she does. Yeah. I don't remember which song that is, but yeah, it might have been Marin's World, actually, or something or one of those first couple ones. It's definitely the pop, one of the pop ones. Yeah, one of the more high energy ones, especially New America, too, like on that topic that we're saying about American issues. That one's like literally just a whole list of the issues and things (laughs) that. Well, even things that like she throws in that we take advantage of, like healthcare and like access to education, but then also kind of juxtapositions with like <laughs> other things that we have to fix, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I can totally hear that in the song. Did you have like a favorite track or something else that really stood out to you about the album? I feel like when I think about this album, I think about like the two kind of halves that we've kind of separated mm-hmm. is the like really dance poppy political ones in the first five and then the last five that we haven't really talked about too much. So I'll, I guess I could say like one of each. So I, of the like dance poppy first five, I feel like Man's World, I just rewatched that music video right before. Mm. First of all, I think that music video might be my favorite as well. <laughs> That's but awesome. I, I feel like as I've listened to those songs throughout the album, I said earlier that this the album really like grew on me that I wasn't like, I was like, oh, this is good. But then the more that I listened to it, I was like, oh, like I can like put these songs on rotation. Uh, (laughs) so I think man's world is one that of those first five that I really liked but the song that I heard immediately and the first time I heard it was like wow I really Mm. like this song I'm gonna like it Mm. is um goodbye Um, oh okay that's interesting yeah I know I I read that I think you said that it had like a weird song it Um, has like an interesting like production style mm -hmm. yeah I know and it it is kind of weird, but that's what I like about it. it. I can't even really describe. I think I just like the the slow and like the lyricism of it. I think, yeah, I really like Goodbye. That's my favorite one. Yeah, to kind of mention that one a little bit more, the production style that stood out to me is it's a, basically a ballad and she closes the album out with this song. And right before the main chorus, there's like this sudden like piano thump. And I remember like sitting there and listening to that song specifically and I was like, all right, you can tell that a woman produced this because it's so different and it sounds so unique. 
And that actually was a huge initiative that she launched with this album is that she actually worked, I think, with all female producers and writers and like her whole team was just women. And that was like a really personal thing for her to do. I don't know if you knew about that. No, I had no idea. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. And like that kind of also goes into some of the inspiration she had with Man's World and for that video, too, because she said in an interview, too, that I pulled that she did with Vogue, that the original idea for that song was to write about how women and LGBTQ plus individuals have been, you know, subjected, discriminated against throughout history. She even wanted it to go as far back as the Salem witch trials, which is like mind blowing, like making that comparison. So she has like those personal causes that she feels so strongly about that she wanted to help in her own career. And that's why she was like, I want to represent women and I want to hire women to work on this album and make it great and unique. And I think she did just that. Yeah, it's it's really awesome to see that and even represent it in her music videos. She has like all different kinds of, of women that you can see. Like I told you, I was just watching Man's World and there are so many women, but also there is clearly either a gay man or a non-binary person. I'm not sure exactly, but clearly like there is diverse range of people that she feels so connected to and wants to represent in her music and support and have elevated to have like producing and stuff. So that's really cool that she does that. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact, she's like a huge gay icon. Like the gays like love her. (laughs) I know. I think um, I was reading in an interview that her um, Electra Heart album was like really just w- what made her blow up and where she got a lot of her LGBTQ fans. But going back to what we were talking about with her having all women producing her tracks, I also saw in a different interview that she stepped away from music for a few mm-hmm. years because she kind of was like having some confusion with her artistic identity and like a vision of like what success looks like and so I wonder I wonder if her vision of success is having more women more LGBTQ representation Um, and that's how she defines success which I don't know but I wonder if (laughs) that's something that she is more interested in than than like number ones Yeah, and that's actually, that's really good you touched upon that, because that's something else that she referenced in the interview that I pulled from, where she had said the last album she did, when she did Love and Fear, she was kind of coming down from this place of being like super depressed and very confused, like you said, about her artistic direction. So she said with this album specifically, she feels a lot more confident and feels like her life is more balanced. She talked about like how she's made different changes in her professional life hence the asking all women to produce this album. So -hmm. I think all that stuff really goes together. And I completely echo what you said too. I don't think she's someone who's really out there anymore, like seeking titles or accolades in terms of like charts, awards or whatever. I just think she wants to do what she wants to do. I like, she just wants to be like, if I can make something that I'm proud of or or do something that clearly she cares a lot about politics and mm-hmm. and social justice and making things right and moral so it seems like that is something that's more important to her than having like the most fans or the most instagram followers or something like that so that's really mm-hmm. awesome to see um an artist talk about and 
represent. And on the note of talking about some of the music videos too, like we talked about Man's World a little bit and the representation behind that and the people that she had in it as well. And then the other tracks on the album that she has music videos for are also the title track Venus Flytrap and Purge the Poison. And all of those videos, I think you might have noticed this too, Haley, they all kind of have like a similar theme going on with like these really cool like retro type elements like from the 70s 60s 80s like that time period venus flytrap i think is the one that has like a lot of different like movie and hollywood references yeah i thought those are really really cool i know i i was like i forget which ones i was watching but i was like oh rocky horror picture show (laughs) yeah like definitely 60s 70s 80s references but i also could see like cultural references with like the um i forget what the picture of the michelangelo picture with the people touching that like god and oh man yeah touching like yeah, i can't think of it too i should know this but yeah i know exactly <laughs> I what you're talking about so i was like i specifically saw that image in mm-hmm. one of the music videos so her just taking all those like references and i definitely feel like when artists do that it definitely elevates the like music video mm. a lot I'm like i know where that's from like you can see where she's pulling from and i wonder what the intention is behind that like the 60s 70s 80s does she think that that's part of like a better time i wonder because since the theme is like ancient what's it called ancient dreams yeah yeah ancient dreams in modern land we talked about how in that title song she is like hearkening back to when times were easier so i wonder why she chose those specific times like Mm -hmm. do she think that those times are easier or are they just more iconic times in history and like easier to depict (laughs) yeah and i think from following her career too for a while i think she's always kind of had an affinity for that time period and recreating that in some way in her music i think i saw a comment too on one of the music videos that it looked like she was recreating characters from the electra heart era i think one of the characters i think it was in like the her prima donna video if you've ever seen that one where she kind of had like the high bob of hair she kind of looks like like one of the jetsons or something like that or like somebody from the flintstones like with the way she wore her hair and like the big headband and stuff you know what i'm talking about yeah like the 60s style yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and i so i also think i remember one time reading about her too and her style inspiration she has said is very much influenced by like 60s 70s like cheerleader type things so i think she's (laughs) i think she's still like pulling that kind of stuff Well, that's awesome that she has like such a distinct style because it's definitely awesome to see. And that is interesting because we were talking earlier about her like artistic identity and how earlier she like in the interview that I saw, she like couldn't separate like her personality from her like artistic personality. And so it makes me wonder when we're talking about like her wardrobe, like is that more Marina, like the 60s like vibe? It seems like since she's like come back to it, that that is more like who she identifies with or the things that she likes since this album she has said is more like herself than it has been in the past. Yeah. And I was actually just going to bring that up too, like the more personal components of the album. And those are shown through songs like, and these are more in the second half of the album where it kind of slows down a bit. So there's Pandora's box, there's flowers. We talked about goodbye a bit. Pandora's box and flowers kind of, mirror each other in terms of themes like they're both more about like heartbreak and pandora's box like has the comparison to the ancient i think yeah ancient greek mythology (laughs) legend like of pandora's box and when you open it it unleashes like 
all of this terror and like bad things will happen. And that song I really got into because she describes love as like a game and a curse. She's just so philosophical too. Like she has all these different elements like the political, the social, and now we get like philosophical, but also relating it to, you know, maybe one could assume her love life. Like who knows? Like maybe she was in a really bad situation and it felt like somebody had opened like her Pandora's box and that's what this song inspired. Yeah, definitely. When listening to that song, I could definitely hear that. I thought it was really interesting that like, it does seem like in the second half is definitely more personal. Again, I don't know if like the songs are just written to sound more personal, but I guess like when I was listening to the songs, like you could also argue that they are just like a little bit more like ambiguous what you're talking, what you're talking about. Like you could relate it to things like, I forget which song I was listening to. I guess goodbye, like mm-hmm. of kind of like a goodbye to the like past that we've had, which she kind of talks about in her the first half of the album, where she's like, things are like new, things are changing. And mm-hmm. so like, even though like in the goodbye, she's saying like, I'm a new person, I'm new from this like relationship, it sounds like it could be like the relationship with America. But again, I don't know, that just could be like a different interpretation of yeah. it. Cause, like, I feel like when you're listening to music, like, obviously, the artist has an intent when they're writing it. But when you're like interpreting it as a listener, like, you kind of assign your own interpretation, and it can be just as valuable, even though it's completely different. Yeah, no, I like I love that you said that, because I always say, and I feel that art always has the right to be open for interpretation, unless like the artist or the person making the art is like, no, I made it for this reason. Like, it has this purpose. Like, I drew this picture of a potato because I had a potato sitting on my counter, you know? (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's not some grand scheme. But with Marina's album, you said it perfectly too, Haley. Like, it's kind of like you can listen to these songs and you can get multiple meanings from one. Like, there's not just one very cut and dry story that she's telling with each of the songs. That's what I definitely really like about uh, Marina in general is just the way that she makes you think. Like, as you said, she's such a philosophical writer. Her lyrics are so interesting to think about the connotation that they have and the way that she is writing them. Like, oh, like, what do I think about the world around me? But it can also be kind of depressing. (laughs) Yeah, that's also true. Because sometimes I like to listen to music and like escape a little bit. I'm like, oh, this is a little... Mm-hmm. This is a lot right now. So I just need to like take it in like times when I'm mentally prepared, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's still good. Well, going back to how we kind of led into this, you had said that you fell off with Marina and then you kind of came back because of this album. Do mm-hmm. you kind of see yourself on the lookout and like keeping up with her more after this? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I told you that I really liked about love. She's been on my radar radar mm-hmm. and I didn't quite like the, love and fear album it wasn't my favorite so that's definitely what made me be like okay like not my favorite but I'm still looking and then she did have that like four-year gap that Mm. she didn't have in other albums but definitely coming back to this album and hearing her other songs I am very much a pop artist I love pop and so I will listen to her even if she doesn't do pop. I describe her as like an indie pop artist because she doesn't make exactly like mainstream pop music. But even if it sounds mainstream, like some of the songs on this album, it'll still have very left field concepts thrown into it, whether it's like the lyrics or the production or anything else that we've mentioned. 
Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Well, thanks, Haley. I'm glad you could come on and review the album with me, Ancient Dreams in a Modern Land by Marina, that is again. Thanks again. Yeah. I really I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. And that's the rotated review. Want to join me for the next review? Send in your suggestions to the on rotation podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter at the on rotation or Instagram at on rotation podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button while you're at it. To read this review fully, see my blog, or listen to past episodes, log on to onrotationpodcast.wordpress.com. And now it's time to take a look at what popped this week in news. Diana Ross is releasing her first new album in nearly 15 years. Thank You, the superstar's first project with original content in 22 years, will come out on September 10th. It will feature 13 tracks with collaborations from Jack Antonoff, Jimmy Napes, Taylor Parks, and more. Ross calls this collection of songs a gift to her fans with appreciation and love. An initial list for the 2021 BET Awards has been released. It includes Tyler the Creator, City Girls, Migos, Lil Baby, Jasmine Sullivan, and more. The event will be hosted by Taraji P. Henson, and Queen Latifah will receive a Lifetime Achievement BET Award. The awards will air live on Sunday, June 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern at the Microsoft Theater in New York. And cancelled culture has come for Destiny's Child. Nearly 17 years after its release, Twitter users are calling for the cancellation of the group's song Cater to You for having submissive lyrics. DC member Michelle Williams weighed in on the criticisms in a video saying, You didn't discern who you were catering to, and you gave your little pearls to swine. Don't be mad at Destiny's Child. That's going to do it for this episode. Feel free to tune in next time when we rotate through a whole new slew of topics. In the meantime, keep it real, y'all. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.